Welcome, and thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Maryland's Most Notorious Murders, where the most gruesome, the most brutal, the most grisly homicide cases in Maryland are examined and profiled. This season, season two, teen killers are profiled. On this episode, teenage murderer Tyrone Harvin is profiled and the unsolved homicide of David Bagua is examined. Teenagers get into fights. That's nothing new. Sometimes teens are unruly, they are hard-headed, even violent sometimes. All that's kind of normal behavior and no real reason for concern or alarm. Then they are the teenagers who takes things a step further. The teens who are a little off in the head. There are some teens who show signs of being more than just an unruly teen or out of control teen. Some kids are just straight killers. The murder of 83-year-old Dorothy May Neal was brutal and vicious. Independent and very trusting of others in her old age, Dorothy, who was from Clayton Barber County, Alabama, and had no other relatives who lived in Baltimore, had lived alone in her small basement apartment at the Rosemont Garding apartment complex in the 2300 block of Winchester Street in Northwest Baltimore. She regularly attended church services for years at the 11th Hour Ministries on Frederick Avenue where she was a missionary. Dorothy was very well known in her neighborhood and neighbors would often see her walking to the bus stop using her cane. On August the 26th, 2018, one of those neighbors became concerned and worried when she realized that she hadn't seen or heard from Dorothy in a few days. To ease her worry, she called 911 to see if the police would perform a wellness check for Dorothy just to see if everything was okay. But when Baltimore City Police arrived at Dorothy's basement floor apartment, they immediately found the elderly resident unresponsive, lying on her floor. With dried blood on the floor of the apartment, Dorothy had obvious signs of blunt force trauma to her face. She had suffered for at least three days before being found and was rushed to the University of Maryland Medical Center in downtown Baltimore. Barely alive, Dorothy had facial injuries that included multiple fractures and cuts to her face. After further examination, doctors found multiple tears to her anus and vagina and quickly determined that the woman had also been brutally sexually assaulted. The next morning, Dorothy lost the fight for her life and was pronounced dead at the hospital. She was a kind person who had a giving spirit. I can understand why anybody would want to hurt her, the reverend of her church said in a statement to the Baltimore Sun. Right away, homicide detectives at the scene had a feeling that a young person committed this horrific rape and homicide. First off, the rapist and murderer left tons of evidence in her home. The detectives found three used condoms with the wrappers at the scene. They found dried blood samples 
and they determined that a broken lamp had possibly been used in the attack. The detectives were able to obtain DNA evidence from the semen that was left in the condoms as well as the fingerprints that were left on the condom wrappers and they were able to get a match. Because of a prior arrest, Tyrone Harvey, a 7th grader at Holland Park Middle School who had just turned 14 a few weeks before Dorothy was killed, was no stranger to the criminal justice system. A police, a Baltimore City police spokesperson said in a statement to the reporters, it's sad all the way around because there's some systematic failure in a 14-year-old's life to allow us to be up here talking about him being accused of murder and rape. A 70-year-old difference between the victim and the suspect in this is really something unheard of. The DNA left at the scene belonged to 14-year-old Tyrone Harvin, who lived right next door to where she had been murdered. Dorothy was killed and he was no stranger to the criminal justice system. In December of 2017, at just 13 years old, Tyrone and another teen wore superhero masks over their faces as they walked up to another kid at the Connections Community Leadership Academy School in West Baltimore and asked to see his cell phone. When the kid refused to give up his cell phone, Tyrone and his accomplice started throwing rocks at the kid's head, which caused him to fall to the ground. Once he was down, Tyrone went through his pockets, punched him in his eye, took the cell phone and left. The kid reported this robbery and assault to the police and in this case, Tyrone was arrested, and at first he was mistakenly charged as an adult with assault and armed robbery, but later his case was transferred to juvenile court. He was put on electronic home monitoring with supervised probation. He later had his electronic home monitoring bracelet removed because his behavior had improved and he hadn't gotten to any trouble. When homicide detectives found Tyrone and questioned him about Dorothy's murder, at first he told them that he didn't even know the woman, that he had never even been to her, her apartment, but after intense questioning by the detectives, he said that he may have just been there to take some trash out for her, and that he had may been there from time to time to do a couple chores around the house from time to time, and he said that um, he may have just came back to her apartment to talk to her about church. And oh yeah, he may have he may have just picked up a lamp or two just to look at it. And he may have just accidentally dropped it on the ground, smashing it into pieces. And oh yeah, here's the best one. Um, I may have left some of my personal property at her house too. Really, y'all? Seriously, dude? Confronted with all of these ridiculous statements, just three days after Dorothy was killed on August 29, 2028, the detectives arrested the 14-year-old and charged him as an adult with first-degree murder, first-degree sex offense, perverted practices, first-degree rape, and using a deadly weapon with the intent to injure. When word got out that a 14-year-old had been arrested and charged for the grisly rape and murder of a frail 83-year-old woman, the news completely stunned Tyrone's friends and family 
and his mother gave a statement to reporters of the Baltimore Sun and WBAL-TV with tears streaming down her face. She said, I'm torn on the inside that they are accusing me, my 14-year-old, of some type of murder like this. He wouldn't do that to an elderly. No, he wouldn't. I'm just hurting. I'm torn on the inside. He's saying, Mommy, I didn't do it. He said he didn't do it, and I believe what my son say. I want the police to understand the 14-year-old. What y'all say about him, he is not like that. My son has a sweet soul for people. He's not going to sit up there and hurt nobody's grandmother or grandfather. It just don't make sense. It really don't. She was extremely upset over the fact that Tyrone was questioned by the detectives without her being present to monitor the questioning. She said she herself hadn't known Dorothy at all, never met her. It's just crazy. I, I, I can't do it, y'all. I'm going through so much. I just wish the best for my son. I just want him home. Tyrone's stepfather followed up with, that's my stepson and I love him dearly. And for him to go down for a murder charge that I don't believe he had anything to do with is shocking. It's shocking because I've known Tyrone for six years and out of all the things Tyrone do in life, I can't see Tyrone killing no lady. Not no old lady. I couldn't see him raping nobody. His older brother also told reporters that he also believed that his brother didn't rape and kill anyone. All the things Tyrone did, he'd never rape an old lady man that's not no 83 year old I don't think my brother did it he went on to tell reporters for the Baltimore Sun that his brother did tell him that he and a friend had been walking to the store when they heard someone screaming and that Tyrone had came home and told his mother that he had heard the lady screaming and that he had witnesses which was his homeboy that he was with and his homeboy said that Tyrone never went into anybody's house and that he only went home to his mother's house. Blah, 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 blah. I'm not buying none of that. Now, before I even go any further, it's important to note that Tyrone has not been convicted of any murder, any rape, or anything just yet. He stands accused, and his trial does not start until June 21st of 2022. And he continues to maintain his innocence. He's sticking with his story. He didn't do anything. He don't have, don't know anything about any elderly woman getting raped or murdered. He was just there. You know, he may have dropped some condoms and stuff like that. But And he may have broken a, a lamp or whatever. But he didn't kill anybody. Blah, blah, blah. So although he has not been accused or he has not been convicted of any murder, I did include him in on... Uh, this episode and also on my list of teen killers because the the DNA evidence in this case is overwhelming. I don't detectives and police or whatever have been known to taint evidence and all of this and blah 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 and you know taint cases and plant this and plant that. I don't see that happening in this case. I'm not trying to hear that. There's no way in the world that um I don't see them planting sperm lace condoms inside of an elderly lady's house to frame a 14 year old for murder i don't see that happening um this is a perfect example of how teens will lie their way out of things teens who grow up not facing consequences for their actions or just getting a slap on the wrist for grown-up grown-up crimes um 
Perfect example, right here. You know, if I just lie my way out of everything, one day somebody will believe me no matter what the proof says, no matter what the evidence says. If I just lie my way through it, I can get away with it and I can just go on my living my life like nothing ain't never happened. Um, his trial is scheduled to start in June. I don't believe it will start on time. It's already been postponed once because there is a discrepancy or uh, his defense attorneys are, are trying to dispute the DNA evidence because they know that the DNA evidence is the sinker on the whole case. They know that without the DNA evidence that, well, I can't say you don't have a case because you also have his confession that he was actually in there and he may have left some things there. So why is this even going to trial? This is going to trial because like I said, teens will lie, 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 lie. And if the, if the DNA evidence combined with his own admission of being in her home at, at the time or shortly before she was killed. Just this alone, like, why are you even taking this trial? Because he don't have nothing to lose. He's just going to continue to lie his way out of it. I don't see him admitting to this eventually. You know how some killers, uh, they will lie. And then when it gets closer to the trial, they'll think about it and be like, you know what? All right, I give up. All right, I plead guilty, whatever. This particular case, I don't see him doing it because he has nothing to lose. And also because he's so young, you know, to be 14 convicted of something as brutal and as heinous as this. Can you imagine what he's going through in prison if he admit to this? So if he's what if what he's not possibly going through now. So he's going to continue to lie. What my question is. What in God's name would make a 14-year-old rape and murder an 83-year-old? That's the big elephant in the room. Like, were there other signs that he showed that he was capable of committing an act like this? Was he being abused himself? I mean, leaving condoms all around the scene and fingerprints and everything. I can see why the detectives thought right away that this was a juvenile who committed something like this. Somebody who was very inexperienced don't know anything about crimes or planning or alibis or anything what would make you why what would that be in your head as a 14 year old boy to go rape and murder a frail 83 year old woman that you have been helping out supposedly doing chores around her house or whatever was this something that you had been thinking about the whole time where you were helping her quote unquote helping her around the house i mean it's just very hard to believe that there were no other sh signs that were shown from him that would lead that would make people believe that he would be capable of committing such a brutal attack on an old woman um parents saw nothing you know the mother i remember seeing this on the news and the mother was standing there with tears streaming down her face crying and screaming about you know my baby didn't do this he didn't do this he didn't do this where did he show any signs of being a basically a rapist and to be this young, I just find it hard to believe that there were no signs shown other than just this little robbery or this little assault and robbery of another teenager in school. I believe there were other things that he possibly shown that were just probably brushed under the rug. I mean, he faces life in prison without the possibility for parole. And I do predict, as I stated before, that he will take this all the way to trial because that's what teens do. Um, once he is sentenced, I don't believe that he will be sentenced without the possibility 
sentenced to life without the possibility for parole because he committed this crime at the age of 14. Um, I believe that he will receive a lengthy sentence, possibly life, but there will be some a possibility for parole or rehabilitation or redemption somewhere down along the line. Somebody will have sympathy and look at it as though, oh, he was only 14 and he has a, you know, a possible, he has a chance to be redeemed and he's not totally doomed. But this is after he done spent half his life in prison. I do believe he will be uh, convicted for this crime. Um, I believe he's guilty. I believe it based off of the DNA evidence that was left at the scene. Um, and also combined with his admission to being at her home. Like, what more do you need? The It's undisputable, basically. I've written to him, I've written to Tyrone several times. Even before there was an idea of a podcast or a book or anything, just trying to get into his head to understand what would make him do something like this. Um, of course, he never responded to any of my letters because at the time he was still uh, awaiting trial as he is now. And most um, most defendants who are awaiting trial are definitely not going to comment on a case that they have not been sentenced on, especially not defendants there are um, awaiting trial for something as brutal as the rape and murder of an elderly woman. He's not going to say anything to me. Um, and possibly he won't say anything even after he's convicted of this, because this is not something that most sex offenders or most defendants that are accused or most inmates that are accused of crimes like this, they don't freely talk to me that much. Um, and even if they do, they respond under a subsidium and not their real names. They don't want to be published, and I always honor that that uh, right that they have. Um, but this one, I have a funny feeling. He's not going to say anything. He's not going to admit to anything. Just got that feeling that he's just going to carry this one to the grave. I, I don't know why. Just got that feeling. No matter what, you can throw the evidence all in his face. He's still just, just going to be like, you know, it wasn't me. 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 Um, but in the event that he does respond to any of my letters... I will definitely keep you guys posted as to what the response was because in the letters I did ask him questions like, you know, was he guilty? Did he feel sorry for this? Um, what type of childhood did he have? You know, blah, blah, blah. Just to see if he would respond. And I written these letters like several years ago. Uh, basically when, um, when this crime first came to the news, I wrote to him. And as of today, I still have not received a response. And I will also keep you guys posted as to when he is convicted and sentenced for this crime. Um, I do believe he will be uh, convicted. Uh, his trial starts in June. Um, I don't know how long it'll last, but um, I do believe that he will be convicted of this crime. And once that happens, I will keep you guys posted as to the conviction and also the sentence that he has received. You know, this case was notorious in Maryland because from the sheer fact of a 14-year-old, a 14-year-old prebrescent boy, basically who just turned 14, and his mind had it in his mind to go beat and rape, sodomize an elderly 83-year-old woman who lived right next door and thought that the police would not catch him or he would not be caught 
or anything either because he was just a teenager or he just didn't give a fuck so that's why this case was notorious in Merlin this episode's unsolved homicide is the murder of 36 year old David Bagua on Saturday morning May 3rd 2014 around 1.30 a.m., someone stabbed 36-year-old David Bagua in the neck at a bus stop at the intersection of Baltimore and Charles Street in downtown Baltimore. David had been riding an MTA bus home from work and was switching buses on his way home when he was attacked in an apparent robbery attempt. After he was stabbed, David fell on the street near the bus stop and lost consciousness. He was rushed to an area hospital but later died. Baltimore homicide detectives did find his wallet on the ground near his body, leading them to believe that David was killed in a robbery attempt. David, who was born in Kenya, moved to Baltimore from Texas around the year of 2010 to study nursing at Coppin State University. He worked six days a week, the night shift, at Lock Insulators in South Baltimore as an assembly worker, and he also worked as a DJ under the name DJ Dave. David had an 18-month-old son, was engaged to be married, and was a stepfather to his fiancé's three children. David's fiance told reporters for the Baltimore Sun that she was glad that her son was so young when her fa- when his father was killed. I don't have to explain it to him. I don't know how I'll do that. I'm just here. I don't know what I'm going to do. They took something from me that I'll never be able to get back. His stepdaughter gave a statement that read, David did whatever he had to do to take care of my family. It's sad. You take good people away and it's sad. That man didn't bother anybody. Police have no clues other than David's murder possibly being a random robbery attempt. And it's been eight years, y'all. Let's get this murder case solved. If you have any information that can lead to an arrest or conviction... Please call Homicide Detectives at 410-396-2100. You can also submit a tip online at www.metrocrimestoppers.org. You can call 1-866-7-LOCKUP or you can even text them at MCS plus whatever tip you want to provide to crimes. That's C-R-I-M-E-S or 274-637. Eight years, people. A man gets stabbed, doing what he got to do, minding his business, just at the bus stop. Someone wants to take his money, stabbed in the neck, no reason. I mean, come on, people. Seriously? I mean, for the holiday time, let's get this let's, let's get solved. It doesn't make sense. Well, someone has to, you know... A son has to grow up without his father. Daughter grow up without their father. Stabbed for your money. When 
that's all he was doing was basically just trying to provide for his family. So once again, if you have any information that can lead to an arrest or conviction, those numbers are 396-410-396-2100. You can submit that tip online at www.metrocrimestoppers.org. You can call the detectives at one 866 7 or you can text them at MCS plus whatever tip you want to provide to C-R-I-M-E-S, that's CRIMES, or 274-637. Thank you for tuning in to this week. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast for updates on new and upcoming episodes. Also, please be sure to check out all of my true crime-related books on Amazon.com under the book titles Maryland's Most Notorious Murders 1990-2008 through and also Maryland's Unsolved Homicides Volume 1. Be sure to tune in next week where another gruesome homicide will be profiled and examined on Maryland's Most Notorious Murders. This has been a real life production.